Welcome to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today's episode is a rebroadcast of a podcast interview I did in 2017 with Mac Pritchard. Mac is the founder and publisher of Mac's List, where he writes regularly about job hunting, leads classes on job search skills, and hosts the Find Your Dream Job podcast. He also owns and operates Pritchard Communications, a public relations agency that serves nonprofits, public agencies, and foundations across the United States. In this episode called How to Talk About a Career Break, I discuss the various challenges that relaunchers face when returning to the workplace and strategies to address these challenges. My interview is followed by a discussion with the MaxList team where they share their thoughts about my conversation with Mac. At the end of this rebroadcast, we'll give you information on accessing the Find Your Dream Job podcast. Carol, thanks for being on the show. Hi, Mac. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Carol, as you know, our topic this week is how to return to work after a career break. Uh, let's start by talking about who typically takes a career break, Carol, and, and why do they do that? Well, probably the biggest subset of people who are on what we call voluntary career breaks are females who take career breaks for childcare reasons. Uh, but we have men who take career breaks for childcare reasons and men and women who take career breaks for reasons that have nothing to do with childcare. It could be elder care or pursuing a personal interest or a personal health issue. And when people are coming back to work, what, what are the top challenges you see people face after they've taken a break? Well, probably the number one challenge is that people have to figure out exactly what they want to do. I know it sounds obvious, but we're talking typically about a multi-year career break here. It could be one to over 20 years. And the longer you're out, the more important this is. But you have to think about whether your interests and skills have changed or have not changed while you've been out of the workforce. Today, we're talking about how to talk about that break and what to say. But I, I, I just love the fact that you're making this point. You have to be clear about what you want to do next. Can you talk a little bit about more about why that's important, Carol, and how it will help you reenter just being clear about your goals? Mm-hmm. Well, figuring out what you want to do drives every other part of your relaunch, as as we call it, we call it relaunching, Um, because you have to get clarity on exactly what you want to do in order to know what jobs you want to apply for and in order to have the conversations with other people uh, to articulate what you're interested in doing. So potentially they can be helpful to you. And that's one of the strategies is that you want to get out of the house and start having these conversations. So um, the very first step is to get that clarity on exactly what you want to do. And then from there, everything else flows. Uh, You know, some of the other challenges that people have when they're first starting out have to do with building up their confidence again. Um, You know, I took a career break myself. I was out of the full-time workforce for 11 years uh, and then returned to work in a financial analyst role um, after being home with my children. Uh, I felt very professionally disconnected when I was on my career break. And I really uh, even stopped reading the the newspaper on a regular basis. So um, I was feeling uh, not only disconnected from my professional self, but I was also feeling like 
I had to get updated. I had to even just read the newspaper to know what was going on in the business world to have conversations with people without talking about, you know, some company that didn't exist anymore. So there are all sorts of pieces to that. And uh, that, you know, invigorating your networks, getting updated in your field, figuring out what you want to do. And all of those pieces help you build up your confidence over time. And once those pieces are in place and you, or you're working on them and you're ready to go out and have conversations with people about that break and what you want to do next, what's your advice, Carol, about how to approach those talks? How do people begin? Well, um, let's talk about first how people get connected. So um, let's, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, actual language that you use in conversations in just a second, but I'm also thinking about how do you even reconnect with people who you've been out of touch with, well, let's say, you know, five, eight, or 10 years. Um, you might want to ask them to connect with you on LinkedIn. And of course, being able, having clarity on your, uh, about your career goals also drives setting up a LinkedIn profile, and that's a completely separate topic. But let's say you ask someone who you've been out of touch with for 10 years um, to connect with you on LinkedIn and they accept, then you can uh, have their contact information. You can email them and you can say, uh, hi, Jim, it's great to be back in touch again. Um, I've, I've been on career break for the last 10 years and I'm in information gathering mode. It's really important to establish right up front with people you've been out of touch with that you are not getting back in touch with them because you are looking for a job and you want them directly and immediately to help you find a job, but you want to communicate, I'm in information gathering mode. And a great question to ask people at this stage is, who do you consider the best experts to be in our field? I'm spending a lot of time updating myself and being very strategic and thoughtful about exactly what I want to do or exactly what part of the business I want to get back into. Which experts do you follow? What do you think are the best books that have been written lately? What websites are, um, are you on? Um, and, you know, who's writing the best articles or blogs? Those are great questions to ask people you're getting back in touch with without them feeling like A, you're being opportunistic, and B, it's an easy response for them. It's something that they can be helpful um, right away with you as opposed to, oh, no, that person got in touch with me because now they want me to help them get a job. So I would say to take that baby step and reestablish relationships around um, questions that have to do with um, being in information gathering mode. Um, but, you know, this other question that you're asking me in terms of how do I talk about my career break really comes up a little later in the process when um, you're, ta you're talking to people in your field, maybe at a professional event um, or even in the interview, and someone gets really focused on the fact that you, you're just coming off of a six-year career break. And they might even say, wow, I see there's like a six-year career break or gap here on your resume. Tell me about that. And then that is your opportunity uh, to acknowledge that you took the career break, not apologize for it, and then move on to why you're the best person in the, in, for the role. So you might respond, yes, I took a career break to care for my children, and now I can't wait to get back to work. In fact, the reason I am so excited about this particular position at your company is because when I worked at Xerox, we faced very similar customer challenges. Let me tell you about one of them. So, so you're able to give that message. And the other message you can say is, I didn't apply for this job on a whim. 
I applied for this job after a lot of thinking about where my interests and skills were strongest and where I could add the most value. So that that's why I was so attracted to this position. And then you can go on and, you, you know, it was here's some uh, experience I had uh, at Xerox that was really relevant uh, to the uh, job, the job responsibilities. So again, you want to acknowledge why you took the career break, you don't apologize, and then move on to why you're the best person for the role. The only other per- thing I'll say here is that this kind of response requires you to have in your back pocket an anecdote from each of your sign- significant prior work and volunteer experiences. And you have to first identify what those are, re- you know, think about the past, recreate the past, what, what were some of those great experiences, document them, and then practice saying them out loud so you can bring them up during the course of the interview whenever they become relevant. So there's so much good information in that answer that you just shared with us, Carol. And just to break it down, I I love just talking about how do I I talk about a career break. Uh, I love the fact that you you don't, you're advised not to apologize, uh, uh, communicate why you're excited, uh, take advantage of the research that and uh, that you recommended that people do earlier, so that uh, uh, the, the listener knows that you're not applying on a whim. This is something that you've given thought to, and it, it's a strategic choice. Uh, what kind of reaction do you see people get when uh, those folks that you work with who who follow this approach? We think that we, when you give this this kind of reaction, you're kind of re training the interview in a way to interviewer in a way to look differently at the relauncher population to uh, think more about this is a person uh, who is at a great stable life stage uh, to come back to work fewer maternity leaves or no maternity leaves um, fewer spousal or job relocations this is someone who's mature who's educated who has great work experience who has energy and enthusiasm about returning to work precisely because they've been away from it for a while. And these answers give you a chance to display those qualities. And I especially think that energy and enthusiasm about returning to work precisely because you've been away from it for a while. I remember this vividly myself that in year nine of my 11 year career break, I was chomping at the bit to get back to work. I I went back in 2001 before anyone was talking about this and I had no idea how I was going to do it. But I remember feeling like it was my time and I was really ready. So any um, part of the conversation that allows you to communicate that I think really opens the eyes of the uh, interviewers to realize, wow, this is a different kind of candidate than, than I'm, I'm used to speaking with. And there are some really great attributes um, of, of, this, uh, of the demographic. Now, how do you, many people who take a break uh, to care for family or, or raise children, they remain involved in the community, often uh, doing a lot of volunteer work. How do you recommend people talk about that volunteer experience when they're sitting down with a potential employer? Well, first of all, let's talk about volunteer work on the resume or on your LinkedIn profile, because we think that uh, substantive and relevant volunteer work 
belongs on the resume side by side with your paid work experience. So uh, I know that LinkedIn, for example, has a section for volunteer experience. We would say um, use that section for maybe volunteer experience that was important to you, but maybe not directly relevant to your goals, your career goals. Um, But in the main body of your LinkedIn profile or on your resume, you should be putting that volunteer work and describing it just like you would paid work. Uh, so, so that's number one. On the resume, you can actually create a uh, section instead of calling it work experience, just call it experience. And then you can um, list that volunteer work um, in addition to your paid work. And, you know, quantify whenever possible, use action words. And we find that employers are quite interested in volunteer work to the extent that it is relevant to the, to the job that you're applying for. Those are great tips. And I, I see people oh. take the same approach when they're between jobs and they need to to explain what they've been doing between positions. Uh, once you've done that, that, that uh, work on your online profile and your resume, and you're having a conversation with, with a potential employer, how, what's the best approach to talking about that uh, volunteer experience? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I just remembered one more thing I want to sure. say about um, volunteer work before I jump into the actual conversation with the interviewer. Uh, and that uh, that is that there are some specific resources in, that um, have that are global databases of volunteer opportunities. Um, we call it strategic volunteering, taking on volunteer roles that are in line with your career goals. So if you want to manage a construction project, then take on a weekend build for Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we had a relauncher who was interested in returning to the field of architecture and volunteered in a summer program introducing high school students uh, to architecture. Uh, we had a, a writer who became um, the volunteer editor and, and head writer for an online uh, nonprofit uh, newsletter um, on her career break. So, uh, you know, again, when when you're ha- when you're talking about these experiences, you're going to talk about them just like they were paid. You say, well, you know, for the last six months, I've been working really hard on this Habitat for Humanity um, build project, and you know, we're working on in, in this particular area, and and we. You know, I don't know the, the details of construction management, but but you would talk about it as if um, the same way you talk about a job. And it's for any of these examples that I just gave, uh, you just want to be specific and talk about what your role was. And employers are going to completely see um, the relevance and the parallel between that that work and and the job that you're applying for. There are three uh, great sources for uh, strategic volunteering. One is idealist.org, and another one is volunteermatch.org. Both of those uh, resources are global databases of volunteer opportunities, and uh, they're they're really role-based. You can sort by location, and it'll give you all uh, different roles that you can have in organizations. Then there's another one called catchafire.org, and that is project-based volunteer work, and many of those projects are remote. So I just wanted to mention those uh, three resources as places to um, look for and find relevant volunteer uh, opportunities. Those are great tips. We'll be sure to include URLs for those sites in the show notes. And I also just want to give you a shout out for encouraging people to think about volunteer opportunities strategically. As you talk, Carol, I was reminded of 
the advice that college students often get about internships, you know, choose experiences that allow you to test whether you want to work in a field or that let you get um, credentials and experiences that will help you get a job uh, if that's a, a indeed the field you want to work in. And yeah, and you're and you're telling the, you're giving basically the same advice to mid-career or senior people who've been out of the workforce for a while but want to get back in and and need to have the most up-to-date credentials and 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 the authority and credibility that comes with it. And, and I would also add in the case of the, the relaunch or the mid-career professional to look at certificate programs in almost the same way that certificate programs, even though you have to pay to do those, very strong signaling to employers that you're serious about updating in a particular field. You can take certificate programs in fundraising or develop and development or landscape design or running a political campaign. And they're great to put at the top of your resume, relevant coursework, uh, something recent and relevant. And you're sending these signals to employers. I'm very serious about this. And the last piece I'll say about that is, um, especially when people are returning to a technical field, you might be required to, for example, get lean or Six Sigma certification in manufacturing. Um, if you're in manufacturing engineering or quality engineering, for example, in order to even qualify to apply for certain roles. So that's another piece is to think about where some education might fit in uh, to your preparation along with that volunteer work that you might be doing. Well, speaking of qualifications, what, what advice do you give to people who are coming back to the workplace and are thinking about applying for positions for which they might be overqualified or, or might pay less than what they were earning in their last position? All right. So a couple of comments about being overqualified. So some some people feel that being called overqualified is a veiled form of ageism. Uh, so I would say, first of all, that the antidote to ageism is subject matter expertise. So if you're worried about being viewed um, as, as too old, then the, the most important thing that you can do is get really up to date in your field and then go to professional uh, events or meetups or other places where you're meeting other people in your field and get in conversations with them about the latest thinking in the field, the articles and the books and the speakers and the experts, because if you're up to date on those and you can talk about people, uh, talk about that subject matter in an energetic um, and, and knowledgeable way, they're going to look at you more in terms of what you know versus how old you are. So I just want to establish that first. As, a, as far as overqualified is concerned, I, I just wrote a piece um, uh, uh, for uh, Fairy Godboss, actually, called Five Reasons Why People Take Lower, Lower Pay When They Return to Work. And one of, one of the reasons is that sometimes people simply want a less stressful job. So they will go for a role that is actually junior to what they might have left before their career break. Then they have to convince the employer or the interviewer that they did this intentionally. So the language that we would recommend in a situation where someone might say, wow, you know, you really seem overqualified for this position. You can then respond, I understand why you might think I'm overqualified for this position, but I intentionally applied to this role at this level because I want to provide excellent results to my employer and I want to manage my life outside of work. And I thought long and hard about what level I should be at in order to achieve both of those goals. And this job was exactly at that level. 
Now, there are some employers or hiring managers who will reject that out of hand, but others will never have looked at it that way before. And we have had members of the iRelaunch community use that language verbatim as they've moved through stages of of the interview process and have gotten hired. It's a matter of educating uh, the interviewer and the employer and letting them look at it um, from a different perspective. Yeah, I like that explanation a lot. I think it's very uh, persuasive. Well, Carol, thanks for being on the show this week. Thanks for having me, Mac. I really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. Take care. We're back in the MaxList studio. Now, what are your thoughts about my conversation with Carol? Who would like to go first? Ben, are you going to jump in? I'll jump in. <laughs> You're leading I, into the microphone. I, I think the one of the big takeaways here is the importance of kind of controlling the narrative around the time you've taken off um, so that the employer is not kind of guessing and creating their own story in their head about why you were gone and why you're coming back. And so her, her point about, you know, controlling the narrative all the way up to like telling someone like I'm in information gathering mode right now I'm not looking for a job I liked that part a lot yeah I mean it's just like telling people exactly where you're at and exactly what you're looking for because it really makes you look like you're in control of your own situation and it's not you're being forced back to work because you need money or because some other reason like you're you're the agent in all of this and want to be really intentional and thoughtful about it yeah yeah you have a plan there's a a a process that you're following you're you're not just looking for a job, you're, you've mapped out some steps. Right. Um, I really also liked that she sort of underlined the situation of people who are com- coming back to work, the fact that they're stable and excited about work more than people who might have been working continuously for 20 years who are just, like, tired. and. That's you a know, good point, yeah. I think the that refreshing, was really, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, I think there's a lot of people who are in the situation that she was explaining for herself that, you know, I hadn't been working for however many years and I was just chomping at the bit. And yep. so excited and had so much energy to put into that. So mm-hmm. I think, um, like, the point she made about retraining employers and interviewers to think about that. Yeah. Um, for people who are coming back to work is really important and I like, powerful. That's really important. Yeah. yeah. I also really liked her note about um, thinking about certificates or, or yeah. additional training to mm-hmm. be able to put to not only build your skills and uh, refresh of all of your knowledge in that industry, but also demonstrate that you are really excited and you're very serious about reentering that industry and being successful. Mm-hmm. And, and while we were talking this week about how to speak about uh, why you're coming back to work, I love that she started with uh, looking at your network and reaching out to people that you haven't been in touch with for some time mm-hmm. and then having a, a very specific ask. It's not like, let's get together and talk about my, my interest in returning to work, but I want to uh, give me your advice about the best websites, the, the best books, things that will help me get up to date. Something yeah. specific. Yeah. yeah. Making it easier for people that, that really resonated. Both, yeah. Both good advice. Easy both to say yes to and yeah. to help you get up to speed. And it's, it's a, actually valuable for you too. And yeah. it's a baby step as she yeah. said, but it's a, it's a, it's a concrete thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. That's going to well, lead to exactly those kinds of conversations. And it's a nice, yeah. I was going to say it's a nice conversation yeah. builder with those folks who you haven't had contact with for a while. It's mm-hmm. a, you know, making sure like, Ben um, was saying that she was intentional about saying um, about being 
saying I'm in information gathering mode, which kind of brings it back to, I just want to have a conversation about this. And then asking someone for advice is always a really nice way to be like, you know, what books are you reading? What is important? What is happening in the industry? I think that's always um, a good way to start that and then build from there. Well, thank you. Uh, And thank you, Carol, for joining us. And uh, thank you, our listeners, for downloading today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. We hope you enjoyed this special rebroadcast. You can listen to other episodes of the Find Your Dream Job podcast on the maxlist.org website. That's M-A-C-S-L-I-S-T dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work, tools and resources, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.